0: All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Get It. Chase Martos, Justin Helms here for our week one college football roundup show. How about them dogs? Big, Mm. big win over the Clemson Tigers. How about that? Defense played out of its mind. They did. We'll talk a little bit about that. But coming up on Let's Get It, we're going to bring back our old segment of what did we learn this week? Um, as well as uh, talk about the college football roundup of week one. Um, as we record on Sunday around noon, there are still two games that still have to be played. It's Florida State and Notre Dame tonight at 730. And then Ole Miss and Louisville tomorrow night, Monday night. Ole Miss without Kiffin. Ole Miss, that's right. That's right. Lane Kiffin coming out. I wonder how much that will – play a role for tomorrow's game but we'll give a little bit of a review of some of the biggest games and then who knows bringing in a new segment called overreaction monday to uh what we think what we uh what's being overblown i should say for um week one of the college football season and then at the end of the show we'll give our first top four rankings of the season before we do that, we want to remind you guys to follow us on Twitter and TikTok. Both accounts are at LGI underscore Podcasts, and you can find our podcast on Anchor, um, as well as Spotify and Apple Podcasts, among other streaming services.
1: Okay, Justin, let's get started. What did um- you learn this week? First thing I learned is 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 something I tweeted during the um the Penn State Wisconsin game is that defense is back in in college football. I remember last year when we had this show after the first week of college football, it was it was we were both talking about how no one was playing defense. It was like there was probably eight games that were both teams had scored over 30 almost 40 points and it was just like weird. It was just nonstop offense and that's where we came to the conclusion that well not, that's not where we came to the conclusion that's what led into the conclusion along with other things that offense wins championships and defense does enough to get you by I think this is the year where defense comes back and you might see that defense win somebody a champion it, it's, we saw what happened with Penn State and Wisconsin and Wisconsin and Penn State they didn't even score till the second half Georgia there was, there was not even a touchdown other than a pick six in that Georgia-Clemson <laughs> game. Like, so, the, yeah, this is, this is the year it looks like defense is coming back. And, like, to give y'all just even further beat that into y'all's heads, like, I'm going to read y'all the play-by-play of how of the Penn State-Wisconsin game in the first half. Penn State, three plays, negative three yards, punt. Wisconsin, six plays, nine yards, punt. Penn State, seven plays, 31 yards, went out on downs. Wisconsin three plays seven yards punt like and that's just that's just me reading the top four and that's almost the whole game for Georgia and Clemson and Wisconsin Penn State and you saw some other games where there's a lot more defense and I think that's just a credit to fans being back and then defense having time to prepare in the offseason because I think it's a little bit harder to prepare for defense than it is for offense especially in a shortened offseason like they had last year with COVID.
0: I completely agree with you I I was a big believer, especially watching um, Georgia last year and watching Alabama as well, watching LSU in 2019 and and the Chiefs in the NFL uh, in 2019 as well as 2020. I was the firm believer of offense wins championships as of right now in this era, and defense does just enough. But we learned last night, like you said, Defense is back in college football. Defense is going to win you championships. I was wrong last year. Well, I wasn't wrong last year. I'm what I said last year does not indicate. Why anymore. Yeah, exactly. go, it doesn't, yeah, exactly. It doesn't go on for this year. Defense is going to win championships. What I learned this week is. You were wrong about one thing, and it might go with our overreaction Monday. But Bryce Young is not a game manager.
1: I, yeah, I'm going to give not. him some credit. He, he he he's looked not. good. <laughs> yeah, I was. About to, yeah, not, and and that's one thing I will gladly, happily admit that I am wrong on. I love that he's not. Yeah, that that was very. I wouldn't say it was too much of a surprise, but it was. It was
0: nice, and Miami's defense. I mean. Poor ta- We're going to get to a little bit, but just poor tackling all the way around. Oh give God. some credit to Bryce Young. Give some credit to that Alabama offense. Give some credit to Nick Saban for just continuing to reload. I don't think anybody really thought that this Alabama team was going to be short on talent, even with the, even with the pieces that they lost last year. But you got to give Bryce Young some credit. He's the first Alabama quarterback to throw for four touchdowns in his first start and he looked outstanding yesterday
1: so yeah I can't I can't complain about anything I saw from Bryce the only reason I felt like iffy about him is because I just felt like I hadn't seen enough like before Tua got his spot I feel like most Bama fans had saw what Tua had done because Tua kind of came in in similar situations as what Bryce Young did like games out of out of hand you put them in and you see what they can do basically like we're we're already beating a team by 50 so when we saw two in those situations we saw two in the spring game it was like all Bama fans were like dude like this guy is just so much obviously better than at throwing the ball than Jalen Hurts is right now and then Bryce Young it was like a little bit different I just felt like we didn't really get to see fully even when he came in in those situations like him just like really just get into the offense and and go, even though he did good things. And then he did good things in spring. So then coming out and doing this solidified everything that we saw before. Yeah, it was
0: definitely a, a big showing from Alabama. They showed yesterday or last week or yesterday, I should say that they are still one of the top teams in the nation. They're still going to, um, be right there in the national title hunt not that I didn't think that they would (laughs) be but it they look like the real deal that defense looked a lot better Derek (laughs) King looked uncomfortable a lot yesterday yeah Miami's defense just had no business being on the field with Alabama yesterday but we'll get to more of that here in the next couple minutes, but I want to go ahead and talk about this Georgia Clemson game. It Saints. was I had a lot of fun watching it. I didn't. I had I had really had fun the past couple of years watching offenses really steal the show, big passing plays here and there. But I had a lot of fun watching that Georgia defense play yesterday, and Clemson's defense played really well too. I thought that both defensive coordinators had a great game plan. Brent Venables playing with Two high safeties yesterday, basically daring Georgia to pass deep on them, taking away that deep pass for Georgia. Georgia was forced to um, sort of dink and dunk here um, early on, especially. Georgia didn't necessarily establish the run game early on. Georgia was able to run the ball decently last night. I thought Zamir White had a good game, Mm -hmm. but. I just I credit both defensive coordinators for
1: a very good game plan. yeah, my my initial uh, see, I have my notes right here, like i I didn't first of all, last night I was at the Georgia Southern game. me and Chase both used to work as filming for Georgia Southern and everything like that, so I didn't get to watch it live, but this morning I went my parents recorded for me, I went back and watched it and everything, and I put some notes down. First thing that I would like to say is. Camarta is a great punter like that dude puts it exactly where you need it every time I think there was maybe one time where Clemson's field position wasn't between the 20 and the end zone of their own end zone like they weren't having their back to the end zone like right there and that was because of a fumbled punt so like a muffed punt so I'm not yeah and so that 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 first of all like Camarda great punter and great coverage team like and I love that and and one thing that was obvious to me Georgia is missing Pickens and Kiers Jackson Brock Bowers did good job he was a freshman who who came in I think like I think they said he came in just this fall like he didn't have that yeah much he, time was, playing.
0: he was but, um, uh from California I, I think he was an early
1: enrollee but I'm not sure mm, okay uh, so yeah maybe he but, did have more time but he but, was a guy that UGA kind of Talked about a little bit behind Eric, um, Eric Gilbert, and the other tight ends that y'all have that weren't in the game as well yesterday. Arnold Washington, but, yeah, yeah, exactly. Washington, Gilbert, and everything like that. So it was just, it was just clear to me that Georgia was missing those guys on the outside that they needed, and Jermaine Burton didn't step up like I think Georgia fans wanted him to. So that was just something that's clear to me. If Georgia's not going to have a running game that's going to dominate or or be a lot better, they're going to need outside receivers. And we saw what JT Daniels could do when those receivers were on the field. I do give credit to Clemson's defense, but this is something I told you last night. I'm not sure how much of Georgia's struggles on offense were Georgia missing their players and and not fully being there or Clemson just playing great defense you said it's a bit of both I think it's also a bit of both but I do think that Georgia not having their top guys at receiver like definitely helped out Clemson a good bit oh for sure
0: I'm going to go back to your first thing that you said about Jake Camarta. Mm-hmm. he was incredible he was playing a huge part of the game and flipping the field he was a first team all-american preseason, and he showed why he was incredible last night and that played a huge part in the game was flipping mm-hmm. the field and Clemson's I don't have their average starting field position right in front of me but they were they were deep in their territory for the most part Almost and the you whole saw time. in the third quarter you saw I think it was the third quarter where uh that late hit out of bounds that was not called and you saw Dabo Sweeney going crazy in that game Dude. And, you know, I think the biggest part of why he did that, yes, that call could have gone either way. I honestly, if I'm being honest, like with the you, ball I thought or... it was a late hit on the Dean in, in, um, I thought it could have been a horse collar on Georgia bringing, uh, was it Justin Ross out of bounds as well as, um, Oh yeah. Nicobe Dean it. could have had a late hit on that play as well. But Georgia caught a break on that. I think that Dabo Sweeney knew in that moment that if, um, that Georgia was just dominating them off defensively and DJ needed some sort of starting field position at midfield. Clemson was (laughs) going to be able to get anything going. So Jake Camarda played such a huge part in that game. he, I mean, he was incredible. He has such a strong leg, and the biggest problem that I had had with Jake Kamarta early in his career was: yes, he had such a strong leg, but he didn't. It's almost like he didn't know how to control it. So mm-hmm. there were so many touchbacks that he would have. If there was a ball, if we had to, if Georgia had to punt the ball from in opponent's territory or the yeah, fifty like right yard 50, line, he was putting it in the end zone. He was. It was guaranteed. Mm-hmm almost back of the end zone but he's been able to control that uh we saw it a little bit last year and,
1: and like I said he was just phenomenal put, last night He was putting spin on it like he had one drop at like the two yard line and like if the the coverage team was there fast enough that would have been down at the two like it rolled. Yeah. he put so much spin it almost rolled back to like the 10 and yeah. then still Clemson is pinned on their 10 yard line so it's, it's not a good time for them but and this and this was the other thing that
0: yeah i want to I, I want to talk
1: a little bit about
0: my thoughts on uh, the offense. I don't think J.t. Mm-hmm. Daniels played terrible last night. I think, mm-hmm. like you said, yeah. I a two thirty. That's I good. think exactly. I think that Clemson's game plan was very good last night with, like I said, the the basically daring Georgia uh, forcing Georgia to pass short making them establish the run. I don't think Georgia did bad running the football last night, but I I thought that like you said, I, I think Georgia was a little bit downplaying. I think I downplayed a little bit just how much have not having Pickens in Washington. And, and I was very honestly I was disappointed in Jermaine Burton last night. Yeah. He is he is more of a deep threat. He was not able to play last night. I was disappointed at him, and both both him and Arian Smith did not play a lot last night. And I think we saw why. It's because Kirby Smart doesn't really play wide receivers if they're not going to run block. We saw Jermaine Burton whiff on multiple blocks on the outside. Uh, Arian Smith is also more of a deep threat. He's not going to be in those situations but I thought that overall the thing is I don't think Georgia had very many three and outs like they were able to um, move the ball okay it would just stall out a little bit especially if they were not able to get a a positive gain on second and third down or first and second down and it was third and five or more just because Clemson's game plan was so good Brent this is the thing Brent Venables is the best defensive coordinator that Georgia's gonna face all year long? Clemson's defense is the best defense that Georgia's gonna play all year long, at least until what I believe will be the SEC championship in Georgia and Alabama.
1: Mm-hmm. And I agree, I think I think that is the best team that they will play. So right now, Georgia. I don't say I'm not gonna say they can relax because that's exactly when you lose and and things get messed up. But the rest Fantastic. of their schedule up until the SEC championship shouldn't be a challenge for them. But and and then and then like you said, I think J.T. Daniels had a great game. He played 22 or 30. He went 22 or 30, 135 yards. He wasn't able to pass much. I mean, you, you, we showed you the stats already. Neither team was able to pass much. I think when you look at Clemson had 180 total yards as an offense last night in Georgia Southern and not Georgia and UGA had 256. So, I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of offense going on. I think one of the biggest, oh, well, let me say what I was about to say about JT Daniels first is like, I think that he had a good game and he showed that he could be accurate. And this is one of the notes I took down. There was a pass that was incomplete to McConnell, like late in the first quarter where he threaded like, If McConnell was an inch taller, or if that was George Pickens or Kierre Jackson, that ball would have been caught, and it would have been in a perfect – it would literally thread the needle through, like, three different DBs, bounced off McConnell's hand, and he just couldn't get it. So, I mean, I I have to believe that's Pickens or Jackson. Like, they would catch that.
0: Pickens, if if that is Pickens, if that is uh, Jermaine Burton, if that is even a guy like A.D. Mitchell, if that was Darnell Washington, if that was either of the tight ends – or any three of the tight ends that Georgia has that is a catch. I think that yeah. McC- I want to say right. McConnell is a freshman, and looking at his two four seven, he was rated it as an eighty four, well into the one thousands in terms of ranking. I believe he's a three star. I want to say he was a walk on. So Georgia's receiving depth last night was just mm-hmm. the fact, especially with with guys that were willing to block because we saw that Jermaine Burton, like I said, just missed on multiple blocks. Arian Smith isn't exactly a blocking receiver just yet, but like you said, if, if any of the the receivers, even Marcus Rosamy, Jack Stane as well, they
1: would have caught that ball. It was a beautiful throw there by JT. And – Georgia's defense is great, and Clemson's defense looks good, and so it could be an overreaction on the offenses for me, but this is what I was about to say about Clemson is, like, this is where I think the difference is. If you look here, like, this stat is just insane to me. If you look at rushing, Georgia, 31 attempts, 120 yards, 121 yards. Clemson, 23 attempts, 2 yards. 2! They got two yards off of 23 rushing attempts. That's terrible. That is absolutely trash. And this could be an overreaction, like I said, due to how good the defense is both played. But I think, even, like we said, with Georgia, they're missing weapons on the outside. I think Clemson is just missing weapons in general. Like, they don't have, they don't exactly. have a good running back. Their running back is not what Etienne was. They're missing Amari Rodgers. Justin Ross is back, but he's been missing for a full season. Their best receiver looked like they're tied in last night. Nada. So, yeah. I'm – and, and I, it's just – it's crazy to me how – DJ, I'm going to try to say this right. Uyunga-Vale? uyunga youngale? Got it. Uyunga-Vale? Question mark? <laughs> uh, I, I'm getting there. Yeah. But, um, Takes he, time. He – um. He showed what he could do last year in Notre Dame game when he had weapons, when he had Etienne and Amari Rodgers and stuff like that. And I do think last night showed that he could be shaken. But I also think that if he had better weapons, he wouldn't have been as shaken. He would have felt more comfortable and confident in who he was throwing it to, handing it off to, all that other stuff. So I really think that Clemson is severely missing Travis Etienne especially he was the guy they handed it off to. He was the guy they passed it to. And Clemson's offensive line as well is not as good as what people might have thought it was. And, and that was one thing Herb Street even said in the broadcast is like, even last year, it wasn't as good as people thought it was. But when you saw it this year, it just like, it just even furthered it. So yeah, that's, that's what, that's my biggest things for Clemson. They're missing weapons and their O-line is not what they think it is. Last year, Clemson's rush
0: defense was number 11, or rush offense, I should say, number 11 in the ACC in rushing, and that was with Travis Etienne. Mm -hmm. That was with Trevor Lawrence being able to throw the ball to make that, I mean, to open up that run game a little bit more, and they, they were not able to run the ball last year Clemson fans have said that the offensive line was their biggest liability. And Georgia's defensive line is their biggest strength, the biggest strength on the entire team. Georgia, I can't believe we've gone this long. We haven't even talked about the defense and the way, gone in depth into how good Georgia's team on defense played yesterday. Seven sacks against DJ. And and like you said, and like I've said, all off season long it's for Clemson DJ um, was not able or when he threw last year against Notre Dame he had Rogers to throw to he had um, Travis Etienne to hand it off to he had I mean playmakers all around and those are the guys those guys are gone and he doesn't have those guys anymore and and we saw he he looked uncomfortable from the first snap. He looked like a deer in the headlights you from the first snaps. Snap. Yeah, dropping <laughs> snaps. I mean, he it was kind of an all over the place performance, and that's what a Georgia defense will do to you. They took away the run, like I expected them to. I didn't expect it to be two yards the entire night. I didn't exactly. expect them to um, only give up three points on the night. I, I expected at least like two or three drives that led to touchdowns. I did expect this game to be twenty-four to twenty. If I was going to say, yeah, if I was that, predicting this game; it would have been in the twenties. It was. If you <laughs> would have told me that it would be ten to three, and the only score of the, the only touchdown of the game would be a Christopher Smith pick-six that was returned yeah. seventy
1: yards. I would have said you were crazy. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like this is. This game makes me feel like I'm 12 again. Like this is a 2012 like score of a football, the game, like this is not something we see. And then you see Penn state, like we already said, 16, 12, like it, this is like, so I, I love, and and I love that because I like watching defenses do what they do as a, not an original sec fan, but an sec fan who's watched the sec for a long time, like defense is what, makes the sec better than the rest of these conferences so to see defense returning is just something i love and then yeah that that defense for georgia like that is not something to sleep on we said that i think we said in the preview show like the only thing that we were kind of iffy about on georgia's defense was their dbs and they came in and and showed out of course that could be part of the partly attributed to clemson not really having great weapons but i think regardless they played well they had a pick six you saw and dj uyangavale 14 carries negative 22 yards which is why they had a net of two yards (laughs) so yeah there's there's not much else i could say about this georgia team i think they'll get better you'll see that jt daniels obviously gets better i'm not sure when pickens comes back or kiares jackson either but i think you will even if they don't come back soon, I feel like he'll get better chemistry with guys like Bowers and Burton when they're not playing defenses like Clemson.
0: Yeah, I could. I think that Kiaris played last night. I just – I mean, he – you could tell was just not 100%. Wasn't Mm-mm. necessarily ready to play. But I think he did let like me one ask, punt or
1: kick return or something that I he, saw. Yes, yeah. yeah,
0: and and you could just tell from when he was returning those that he just mm-hmm. wasn't wasn't physically ready yet exactly but let me ask you this what does in your eyes
1: what does this loss mean for Clemson oh and this is this is I think the overall thing Clemson not only people will say that Clemson is still in this chance to get a, to get to the playoffs I truly don't think they are like they, yeah they, they like Oklahoma and Ohio State, if they play and they win out, Clemson's not making it. Like, of course, that's obvious because Clemson's got a loss and then the rest of those teams will be undefeated. It's very unlikely that the rest of the top three teams are going to go undefeated. But Clemson, this is what I tweeted, Clemson looks beatable and they obviously are beatable to teams that are outside of the ACC. Now, if they go into that ACC and they even look beatable, I'm not saying that they lose a game. Even if they win out and they have close games against the rest of their conference, they're not making it. Like, that's that's just not happening. Like, we see right here, right now, not only did they not... To me, like, even though this game is 10-3, Clemson wasn't really competitive in this game. Like, to me, it just seemed like... I never doubted it for Georgia. I honestly, I thought from the first
0: quarter... Georgia was going to win this game just because Georgia was able
1: to at least move the ball, Exactly. but Clemson was not able to. And that's exactly the difference. When Georgia got on offense, they were making plays and they were going forward and then having to punt, which is why part of the reason why Kamara looks like a great punter. He's pinning people inside from punting after at the 50. And then Clemson, they're having three and outs, throwing picks, they're fumbling, like just miscues, like, there was was times where him and Justin Ross were just off. Like, there was a play, I think it was like second quarter, where Justin Ross looks like he's like running like a deep out route. Louis Young just literally, like, as soon as the ball snaps, like, chucks it. Like, he didn't even wait for him to finish the route, like, nothing. Like, you could tell he was scared. So, I feel like this Clemson team, they just look a lot more beatable than they've looked in the past like I remember there was one year where they kind of struggled with Trevor Lawrence and everyone was like, oh I don't know if they're gonna make it. I think they ended up winning the championship that year but I this this team just it looks a little bit different. I'm hoping that Virginia Tech or Florida State or somebody can challenge them NCAA please put Notre Dame in the ACC so we can stop watching Clemson have a straight run to the playoffs. I beg you but I, I, I think that Clemson right now, that not only do they not have room for error, they don't have room for, for making it look like an error or even getting close to one. Like, so, I
0: have, I have also said this from the beginning, and that is, this game means more to Clemson than it does to Georgia, because I said if Georgia loses this game and wins out in the SEC. And if they beat Alabama in the SEC championship, they are in the playoffs. They're in. Yeah. If Clemson loses this game, especially, the, honestly, the way that UCLA played yesterday, beat an SEC team, the Pac-12 could be back. And on, and another thing, Clemson, Clemson needs UNC to be good. Mm-hmm. North Carolina losing to Virginia Tech on Friday was probably the worst thing thing that could could have happened to Clemson (laughs) because that was going to be the big marquee win. That was going to be the only team that I thought could beat Clemson or had a chance against Clemson in the ACC. Mm -hmm. Clemson needed this win in order to cement themselves. And and, and another thing, I think that Clemson could lose another game. I still believe that. that. That's what just what I the saying, way I... that that defense looks really good, but that offense—if they don't find something—and again, this could just be an overreaction. But if they don't find something, they could lose another game. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but as of right now, spoiler alert—they're going to be out of my top four. And oh, yeah. they, for sure, <laughs> they are in danger. In my opinion, the ACC in general is in danger of not being in the playoffs this year
1: exactly because like we both said if the loser of the sec championship if that's their only loss they're making it in let clemson lose another game if the loser at the sec championship that's their second loss they'll still probably make it in over clemson
0: so i mm -hmm. i i really do believe that there will be two SEC teams in the playoffs. I do too. Because in, in I land? think that Alabama and Georgia again looking too far down the line mm-hmm. will both be 12 and 0 playing in the SEC championship and if both of those teams are 12 and 0 going into that championship then mm-hmm. there to me there's no way that you can keep those two teams out because
1: Exactly. Who else is
0: going to be there?
1: The only team that I could say, and like before we go on to Bama-Miami, um, Bama, like the only few thing, teams that I say could actually, if they win out their schedule, they could make it in, but they absolutely have to win out their schedule. Oregon, because they play Ohio State next week. If they beat Ohio State, I feel like they're you just can't put them out. I think there's six right now. Um, Minis- not Minnesota. Well, yeah, Minnesota, if they win out their schedule, go to the Big Ten Championship. I think they could, be, they could be there. Everyone saw what they did against Ohio State. They looked decently well. If they turn it around and get back on the horse and finish out the rest of the schedule, they could make it. And then Penn State as well. I told you, I think Big Ten might be back. I told you, I think they, got, they out of all the conferences, I think they took the, the worst out of it <laughs> from how they handled COVID and everything like that. Yeah. Big
0: win for Georgia. Let's move on to Alabama-Miami. Justin, your first overall thoughts of this game. We already mentioned Bryce Young and how good he
1: looked. Um, That defense also looked pretty good, too. Yes. Oh, my God. And that is the biggest thing. That was one thing that I told you I thought was going to be a story for this season, is that Mm -hmm. it was going to be defense and running the ball. I was kind of wrong on running the ball. I'm still betting that our running game ends up being better than Georgia's. It's hard to judge off these first games. Bama's running game was straight. Georgia's running game was, I would say, was a little bit better than Bama's. I'll give you that because you're playing a worse defense. I mean, not a, a, a better defense. Oh my not, god! You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't. I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, playing Clemson, but um, okay. yeah, with Alabama, Miami, of course. First of all, Miami's not it. I I'm. No offense to them. I don't think anyone thought they were it. No one considered them to be (laughs) challenging in the first place. But I love that Alabama handled the things that Miami threw at them because Miami tried to do the thing that every team does against Alabama, the historic things that Alabama struggles with. Hurry up in a mobile quarterback. And they tried to do both of those. And Alabama handled it quite well. I love what Pete Golding has done. I think he has finally gotten I guess the talent to be able to run the plays that he's wanted to and everything like that I think in the past he had players injured we didn't have as good players on defense by the time Pete Golding was hired I mean we didn't have as good players on defense so he didn't really get a chance to fully do everything that he wanted but I love that the defense is is back it's Jalen Armour Davis looked good on the back end he was a guy who I had a question mark about. I wasn't quite sure if he was going to be that good. We hadn't really seen much for him. I wanted to see Josh Job step up. He stepped up last night. He's a, what, five-year senior, been there forever, and a guy that me and my dad has ripped on (laughs) countlessly just for mistakes in the past, looked good last night, of course, versus Miami. This could be an overreaction. And then on top of that, um, Will Anderson and Chris Allen, the linebackers in general, actually, Will Anderson, Chris Allen and Henry Toto. Oh my gosh. I am. I love Will Anderson and how he flies off that edge And It's just, I love it because 2018, 2019 and 2020 Alabama had this problem where we have good linebackers, but they get hurt. They get hurt every season. This guy and that guy gets hurt. And now we have some random dude starting that we never had before in 2018. Our starting linebackers are now our starters in junior year, which is, what, which is what I was talking about, why I love it. Because we've seen these guys from freshmen. Chris Allen, Christian Harris, they were not supposed to be playing as freshmen. But they ended up playing due to injuries. Shane Lee got in and everything like that, too. He kind of got pushed off. He wasn't that good. But you see the difference between freshman Christian Harris in senior Christian Harris and then freshman Chris Allen and senior Chris Allen. Like we've seen them actually develop and get so, so, so much better. And that is something I love. And Will Anderson coming off the end reminds me of Tim Williams in a way. But yeah, that was the biggest takeaway for me. It's just the defense. I just, the offense did great, of course, but it's just, it's been a while since I felt like super confident in Alabama's defense.
0: Yeah. It- I would say that Alabama's defense looked like a Alabama not, – not like the 2011-2012 kind of Alabama defenses, mm-hmm. but they looked really good. Best defense – that best defensive performance that Alabama has played it, since Kirby Smart has left yeah. – since, since Kirby Smart left for Georgia. Um, I think that the offense was able to do whatever it wanted Jamison Williams, the transfer from Ohio State with a huge 94-yard touchdown, a beautiful throw there as well. And Bill O'Brien, the team hasn't really lost a step since he's taken over as offensive coordinator. I think he was an offensive analyst last year, and correct me if I'm wrong, when he got fired from Houston.
1: Yeah, he uh, was there for a little bit.
0: Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, the team has has not lost a step on offense. Meshi I was had a I really good Calling plays
1: from the booth. That's one thing I haven't seen from a while in yeah. Alabama offensive coordinator.
0: And, and yeah, he he looked really good he, um yesterday. John Meshi looked really good on offense.
1: Um it it's Cameron Latu looked good on offense. That's Alabama. who I
0: was gonna mention. It is the tight end. He he looks like he's gonna be
1: a real red zone threat this year. Yes. And that's one thing I like because Jaleel Billingsley was originally the starting tight end last year. And he looked very good. He kind of, if you watch him, he kind of reminds you of OJ Howard, but shorter, like he's a fast tight end. They put him back there for for kick returns as a tight end, which is kind of crazy, but, um, but he's kind of been in Saban's doghouse. They, they, they said he's been playing kind of selfish or doing something in the locker room that like, from the general general consensus of what I could get from reading articles and hearing things, like basically, it seems like he's complaining complaining about how many passes he's getting. Which are you when talking you're about offense with? You, no, Jaleel Billingsley. Okay, Billingsley. Which when you're in the offense with Waddle and Smith, Ruggs and Judy, like you're not going to get passes, which is yeah. what he's been with the past few years. Got to learn how to block. Exactly, exactly. So, and and it sucks for him, but Latu got that chance, and now it looks like he's going to take his spot because that was an, another name player that a lot of people have been talking about coming out of camp and practice from Alabama. And then the, the last thing that I want to say, because it's not really too much I can do about this game because I feel like a lot of it could be overreaction. (laughs) We see what Miami is. Um, Last thing I want to say is that Bryce young is just, he, he came out and he, like we said, we talked about earlier in the show is he came out and proved that he is the guy like he is the guy to come back in and, and back up Mac Jones and come out after Tua and everything like that the quarterbacks continue at Alabama is basically what I'm trying to say is that I think Alabama has now gotten to a point where they can consistently recruit good quarterbacks and I love that Bryce Young moving around in the pocket I think his pocket presence is better than Max and better than Tua's honestly and I think he might be a little bit better at throwing on the run than Tua, he doesn't quite have the arm strength of Mac Jones and Tua. I don't think when he he has to throw it deep, he kind of he needs an extra step or a little extra oomph. But other than that, like his accuracy on the run is just like pinpoint. There was one play in the first, I think it was first or second quarter, it was first half, where two Miami defensive linemen are closing in on him, look like they're about to sandwich him, and he gets it out right before he gets hit and puts it on a line right past like. One of the Miami's DB's hands in perfect spot, like, on the sideline. I think it was to Jameson Williams. So, yeah. Overall, just great win for Alabama. I want to see what they do going on, and I want to clean up injuries. That's that's the other thing. Chris Allen, they already said he's probably out for the season. Henry Toto went out and got hurt, and I don't want to see it go back to what I said, what happened was 2018, 2020, where it's like our linebackers can't stay healthy. Henry Toto went out, but it's they said – it wasn't bad. He should be back. And then we play Mercer next week. So he has time.
0: Let me ask you this. I, I mentioned how bad I thought that Miami tackled. I thought they took terrible angles <laughs> on the ball. It looks like, multi, honestly, multiple times, I thought that Miami was able to best Alabama's offensive line. And that's another thing that I will uh, talk about in a second. The only thing that I saw that I would be tiny bit concerned about for Alabama is the offensive line because Mm -hmm. I thought that Miami was able to um get get to Bryce Young they just weren't able to finish the play I I thought that they were in position multiple times but missed tackles killed them um bad angles killed them I, I just thought it was about execution for them too
1: yeah, I I think I think that was it for for Miami. I'm, and, and it sucks for them because they're a team that historically you like to see them do well, or like you would like to see this be a game. Especially, I think the last time Alabama Miami played was for a championship, like in the Sugar Bowl, like in the '90s before we were even born. So it it sucks to see them go out like this. I think they just need to really clean house and restart honestly they've done that a few times since then I think they need to do it again <laughs> yeah Derek King is he's he's good but he's not quite the right. guy I mean yeah. he's 24 years old I think they showed a graphic last night where he was older than like almost nine starting NFL quarterbacks and that's so, ridiculous yeah <laughs> like so at this point yeah I think he's he's got to go Miami's got to turn around but great win for Bama would love to see more I do think that off Offensive line is better than what I thought it would be, but I do think that is the probably the worst position group for Alabama. I haven't. I would like to see the DBs a little bit more, or against a better quarterback, honestly, because I like what Jalen Armour Davis did. I told you I don't fully trust Josh Job. I like what he did last night, but I've seen him for five years now, so I don't fully trust him yet and then I would like to see Malachi Moore and Brian Branch play more. Like, I don't understand why it has to be either or. Why can't they both be on the field at the same time? But
0: Uh, another thing, Rhett Lashley is the offensive coordinator at Miami. I think that during Auburn's time, the biggest thing that Auburn fans had with him was how predictable he was. Granted, a lot of that is a Gus Malzahn offense, but Alabama seemed to know exactly what he was going to do every single time. They seemed to remember all of his stuff because it wasn't too long ago that he was at Auburn. I think it was about four or five years ago since he was in in Auburn. And it, it just looked like they they knew exactly what was going on. Miami, I don't think, needs to clean house. The thing is, Miami, the U is never going to be back. I, I'm sorry to say that. They're never going to be back. The problem is every single time they string together a couple wins, they get killed somewhere. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just – I don't think they're ever going to be back. I don't think they're ever going to be national title contenders again.
1: It's I really a recruiting thing to me. I don't think that, like – They've lost that name to them. That makes players want to go. Big name exactly. players want to go to them.
0: Our generation has grown up to – Alabama being at the top to Clemson mm-hmm. being at the top to Ohio state being at the top UGA in
1: years. Yeah. And since honestly, the last, yeah. Five, yes. Six, seven years UGA.
0: And, and nobody, we didn't grow up in a time where Miami, Michael Irvin was making huge catches. Mm-mm.
1: We didn't see him. We, 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 we honestly Red Red didn't Red watch,
0: Red. watch the late Sean Taylor. Mm-mm. We, We didn't watch Ed Reed there. We didn't watch Ray Lewis or Warren Sapp.
1: Clinton Portis, none of them. We didn't see those
0: guys. We we don't... All we've seen is a documentary of them.
1: Exactly. And so
0: (laughs) nobody's really dreaming of going to play at Miami anymore. They don't have a fan base. They play like 20, 30 miles off of their campus in the Dolphins Stadium. So they don't have... A lot of fan base there, I should say, yeah, and at this point. Um, I just, I don't know.
1: I, I Alabama like looks really good, but again, at the
0: same time, Miami, I just don't think is ever going to be a national powerhouse ever
1: again. I feel like a lot of their fans back then turned into fair weather fans. Like exactly. now that it's not, <laughs> not what it used to be, they just kind of don't pay attention. Or, or I
0: think that them. when. When the U tore down the Orange Bowl, that was – Miami fans feel like they tore down a mm-hmm. huge part of Miami. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> that's, that's the only – like it, it doesn't even feel like they are – like they just feel like
1: it's not even the U anymore. Once again – Because it's not the U anymore. It's not. It's not. It's, it's, it's Miami. It's, it's just <laughs> Miami. <laughs> exactly. Like, and, and once again, NCAA – force Notre Dame into the ACC. I'm tired of watching these trash teams that are no longer it, Florida State, Louisville, Miami, North Carolina, whatever you want to call all those teams that used to be somewhat something that are now absolutely nothing when Notre Dame basically plays an ACC schedule. Just put them in there. Like, stop. Like, (laughs) so annoying.
0: Looks like they're playing more of a – they're playing more of an even schedule. They are playing a lot of ACC teams. Notre Dame schedule, Florida State, Toledo, Purdue, Wisconsin, Notre or Cincinnati, Virginia Tech, USC, North Carolina, Navy, Virginia, Georgia Tech, and Stanford. So they're at least mixing in some other conferences, but most of those games are ACC. Just a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, But, you know. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to have two or three losses on the season just with what they lost to, but let's go ahead and move on to UCLA LSU. And I'm going to have a little bit of a, a fun one with my overreaction Monday pick, but let me ask you, is coach O a ticking time bomb?
1: Yes, What? It is, it is more it is more prevalent now than ever that Joe Brady was the reason that the LSU was the team they were that season. Like Joe Brady and Joe Burrow. To me, right now it, it's obvious that those two were the guys, and Ed O was kind of like, Hey, like I have the title of head coach, but uh I'm just kind of here. Like he's just here for a deep voice and a in an image, like he's the picture, you know what I'm saying? So people like him more as a meme, honestly, but yes. I, I just like, <laughs> like, it's, it's ridiculous how you go from that to what they have done now. But if you were paying attention, you're an SEC fan, like, this is not a surprise. Like this is no, <laughs> no one, no one expected them to, to, to continue what they were doing in that season. Even be even close to that. Cause a lot of people, I feel like everyone knew that the year that LSU had is not a year that you can copy Stats-wise, what you saw they did, like even what you said when you watched that SEC championship, you said that you didn't really care that Georgia got blew out. You knew that it was LSU's year of destiny. I went to that Alabama LSU game. I was in Tuscaloosa, watched Clyde Edwards-Alaire run into the end zone like thirty feet from me, like and it was just like and eh, like we, even though Alabama made that game close, like we, I don't think any of the fans really felt like we were going to win that game and I don't think anyone was actually that mad because we knew what was going on with LSU and everything like that so but then you have this like this is and we knew they weren't going to be able to copy that year but for them to not even get a sliver of close at all to now losing to UCLA I mean maybe UCLA is better I Really doubt that. <laughs> I, I don't think they've gotten better. I think LSU is just bad. So I think Coach O is on the way out. They realized Joe Brady and Joe Burrow were the guys getting it done. He couldn't even get his players to come back and play with them last year with Jamar Chase and Derek Stingley. So I, this is, and then they just lost Eric Gilbert and they've, it's, it's just not looking good. Like you said, I think, I mean, I'm not getting to his personal life, like he divorced his wife, like Coach O is not having a good time right now. So yeah, no. I think he's a ticking time bomb. I mean, it's all of the stuff that's going on, I think
0: that with a lot of NCAA infractions that was going on during um, the Les Miles era is starting to come back. The offensive line coach is suing the school. Uh, I didn't even know that. That's crazy. There is so much that's going on under Coach O's watch. And honestly, the pregame speeches, the – the voice that he does it's it runs its course it's like dan quinn the brotherhood ran (laughs) its course after the team lost the super bowl and nobody (laughs) believed in it anymore and then he just became a meme that that's just how it is And, and i think it's the same way i'm seeing a lot of comparisons of coach o and joe burrow to cam newton and gene chizik (laughs) <laughs> and how he just kind of gene chiswick yeah. just rode on the shoulders of Cam Newton. They were both Auburn years rented of Auburn rented Cam Newton for a year just so they could win a national championship. Mm-hmm.
1: Joe Burrow at least developed at LSU, yeah, but yeah. they both those teams had years of destiny when they won their championship. And, and yeah, so team. we've seen
0: Ed Odron not have success at Ole Miss, it was a complete disaster when he was the head coach there. He is a good interim head coach. He kept the teams together at USC and LSU. LSU decided to keep him. He he won a national championship. I mean, you can't deny that. But having Joe Brady there, definitely, he got that hire right. That, yeah, was, so that, that was that was that was his legacy at LSU. That is his legacy, <laughs> and I'm gonna go ahead and say my prediction right now: Billy Napier will be the head coach of
1: LSU in 2022. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. He's been put up there for a lot of jobs that have come open in recent time. I think he was put up there for the Tennessee job. He was put yeah, up there for Auburn. Uh, Auburn, yeah, exactly. So I, I think, yeah, I think it's about time that Napier makes it in the SEC everything like that so I'm not I'm not I wouldn't be surprised and I I would actually like to see it I would like to see me too LSU be I mean of course I'm a Bama fan but I would like to see them be a little bit more competitive than this like this is not good (laughs) so and and then I give Ed O at most at most after 2020 this is 2021 2022 season after 2022 23 season i give him if he's if he's still doing what he's doing now like at most that if they make a bowl game this season i think he gets one more season which is what i think they can do but if they don't make a bowl game this season he's out this season he's done like
0: i think lsu is going to finish third or fourth or fourth in the SEC West, I think Ole Miss is going to finish in front of them. Obviously, Alabama. I do too. I do too. And Texas a and A&M. is going to finish in front of them. Depending on how Auburn does, they could finish in front of them. Yeah, they looked good I'm, last night, but yeah. I mean, how it's Akron. I don't it's know how team.
1: you can really see what how Bo they did. has done before. We've all seen it. He's not yeah. the guy. So
0: they. I don't even – I think UCLA is very much improved. I was very – yes, it was the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors, but from what I had seen last week, I thought that they looked really good. I really like that running back, the transfer from Michigan. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, their quarterback, looked really good last night as well. He did. But LSU should have gone into that game. I don't think that they had honestly any business of losing that game. And one thing that I I have noticed, I think teams are catching up to the SEC, but the SEC is so top heavy. Is very top with the Georgia, Alabamas,
1: maybe the Florida. With the Georgia, Alabama, and then it's usually one or two other teams that exactly. show up. Like it, it kind of rotates after that. I mean, you
0: saw the worst team in the conference, Vanderbilt, lost to East Tennessee 23 to 3 last night. Yeah. Tennessee is a dumpster fire. I mean, it's teams are catching up with the SEC. And honestly, it has very dominant teams in it. But – and teams that are going to be in the top five every single year. Mm -hmm. But the middle of the pack to the bottom feeders, all very beatable by any team in any conference.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I agree. And
0: LSU is definitely at the top – near the top of that list.
1: And even watching Florida yesterday, I think it was against FAU, Florida Atlantic, Um, Emory Jones just – like, you just – like you could tell Florida is not the team that without Kyle and without Kyle Pitts, the best part of their team last year was offense. And now that they don't have their, their best players on offense, like you saw like Emory Jones, I think through two or three picks last night against FAU didn't look yeah. that great. The only reason they were beating him so bad is because they're Florida and they've got more talent. So, yep. yeah. So I mean, I, I think you're right. Like the talent, the gap is very large. It looks like Alabama, and Georgia, and then second tier, you get like Ole Miss, A and M, maybe Florida, and then it's everyone else. Like it's 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 really not anything past that.
0: And Florida this year, I think they're going to finish. I don't I don't see them going better than eight and four. I'm going to be honest with the loss of Kyle Trask, um, the loss of Kyle Pitts, the loss of Kadarius Tony, the loss of. Um, forgetting his name the other receiver they've they've lost all of their yeah, skill skill players more. minus um justin shorter who's supposed to be really good mm-hmm. in their eyes apparently they've <laughs> never been it's never been in on defense for them and so
1: mm-hmm. since Muschamp left they haven't they haven't had no defense yet yeah. but i i would say that but oh yeah i wanted to give so is that your overreaction Monday pick is that No, it's it's not. No. My overreaction
0: Monday stays with the UCLA LSU game. <laughs> My overreaction is UCLA and the Pac-12 are back in the playoff race. I think UCLA could be a playoff contender especially if the ACC is
1: down this year. They could I- be the best in the Pac-12. I adamantly and strongly stand against you on that. I do not <laughs> believe that at all. I think that big 10, like I said earlier, big 10 has put themselves back, but that's not my overreaction Monday pick, but I think you're kind of crazy because <laughs> UCLA. It's an overreaction. Yeah. It is a real reaction. That's the point <laughs> of the pick, which is why I think y'all are going to think I'm insane, but um, it's, it's yeah, I, I think Pac-12 could get back with Oregon with UCLA. No, but I think Oregon could be the team. Oregon was very, was scared against Fresno State yesterday. Yeah, they, they were. received a big scare from them. There was, I think on college game day, um, even Kirk Herbstreet had said like, yo, like this is not gonna be an easy game due to just the matchup that Oregon had. Like they felt like that was kind of Fresno State matched up well against them, even though talent-wise they're not equal to Oregon. But my overreaction Monday, which people might think I'm crazy, is that I think by the end of the season, Caleb Williams will be the starting quarterback for Oklahoma. Spencer Rattler came in probably the most hyped player in college football for this offseason, honestly. They, They put him at the top of Heisman list. They put him at the top of this. We all saw what he did last year and everything like that. But Big 12 has no defense. He's been playing nobodies. They went up against Tulane, and they struggled. And they've been talking about this freshman, Caleb Williams, who came in, who's been doing great in practice, did great in the spring game, came in, I think, for like only two or three plays in the Oklahoma game and did good in that game and did good there too. So I I really think that we might be watching a hurts to a situation that if Rattler – continues to go on the season and even if they're winning if he's struggling a little bit in their winning or they're sliding by like they did yesterday 35 to 40 against Tulane Caleb Williams might be playing like quite soon
0: let me just explain my overreaction Monday pick I still think Oregon is the best team in the Pac-12 and we'll know more about Oregon obviously when they play Ohio State next Saturday UCLA in the first two weeks has looked really good. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, I don't necessarily trust him, but he no. had probably his best game of his career yesterday against LSU. He did. I think that the Pac-12 because let me ask, who is I think we both agree that we think that two SEC teams are going to be in the or in the playoffs this year. As of right now, A Big Ten team will be in there. Oklahoma didn't look good yesterday. They almost lost to Tulane, Tulane, and they looked bad. Like you said, Spencer Rattler didn't look very good yesterday. Two picks. The defense is the same old defense. I don't know what I was thinking when I said – I don't know what I was thinking when I said that they were much – or well, it doesn't take much to be much improved with an Oklahoma defense, but you know what I mean.
1: I literally told you that because I remember, I think it was you and Ryan who both said it on that show was like, I think Oklahoma's defense would be better. I was like, I'll believe it when I see it. Like, I don't know, like Oklahoma defense, like that conference has had so little defense for so long. Like, I I just really have to believe it when I see it.
0: An upset can happen in that Pac-12. UCLA, to me, can be a playoff contender especially if the ACC is down, if Clemson goes down, if Clemson's even still in the race.
1: They have to beat Oregon.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. They have to beat Oregon because the Pac-12 isn't going to get two teams. So that's my overreaction pick. That was Justin's overreaction pick. Looking at our schedule or our picks for week one, Justin, you went three and five. I went five and three. We both had the same picks minus two games. I had Georgia beating Clemson. I had Northwestern losing to Michigan state. You were the opposite. That is where we are, but we have two more games that we made that, that we made picks for in our last show to be played. Of course, there's still Florida state and Notre Dame tonight in Tallahassee. And then there's Ole Miss and Louisville Monday night. Um, I think that's in Louisville, but I'm not completely sure. Might be a neutral site game. So so still two more games. But before we go, we want to give our top four. And Justin, I'm already looking at yours on our show plans. And I honestly think that mine is the exact same.
1: It probably is. is In fact, it is the exact same.
0: (laughs) Because the two teams at the top are obvious after their week one performance. Mm -hmm. That is, of course, Bama and Georgia. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about three and four.
1: Yeah, okay. So Georgia, obviously, I think going into that game, they were ranked two. They were ranked number two still. Georgia was five. Georgia was five. Oh, dang, yeah. Yeah. So I think they jump, of course. They beat Clemson, who was ranked three. So they're going to jump. And then we all saw what happened with Oklahoma, and this is where we talk about three and four. Ohio State, they came out. They struggled a little bit against Penn State. I think Ohio State was ranked four. No, Ohio State was ranked two. It was Bama. No, Oklahoma
0: was, Oklahoma was two. I want to say yeah. Ohio, Clemson was three. Oklahoma was four. Georgia Ohio was State five. Okay,
1: so Ohio State, I think they move up one spot. It, really, the biggest change here is Oklahoma jumping from two to four. Like, they're dropping down we saw like we just talked about you can't win by 5 points against Tulane and think that you're staying in your spot like Spencer Rattler came out i think i saw a tweet that said it was like an imitation of welcome to college football and Spencer Rattler threw a pick like like and i think that i think that kind of summed it up right there he threw two picks their defense looked like you could run through it at any time you wanted to everything Tulane wanted to do was working there was one point where or Oklahoma actually had gotten up and it looked like they were putting the game away in the fourth quarter and then Tulane went plays in three minutes like no like so Oklahoma yeah they're they're number four Ohio State is three but I'm telling you telling you telling you right now Ohio State is very keen to lose a game this season we yes. saw them they they didn't they handled Minnesota well after they kind of got back onto their feet CJ Stroud kind of he got shook up at first he kind of calmed down and everything like that but in and, and like you said even Michigan State with Mel Tucker there now they looked better. Northwestern last year, even though they lost, they were in the big 10 championship. We saw Penn state, we saw Wisconsin, we saw Minnesota. So I think they, and like you said, you think PAC 12 or like, is the conference that might catch up or anything like that. But I really think the big 10 is the conference this year that catches I, up. know.
0: I think that the PAC 12 could get the fourth team in there. Oh, over okay, the okay. ACC. Let me make that clear. I don't think the PAC 12 is jumping anybody other than the ACC this
1: year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I I agree with you on that, but I think big 10, if there's any team that could catch up to the sec this season, I really think it's big 10. They've had a pretty good roster of top teams. It looks like right now, like Penn state, even though Wisconsin lost that game was close all the way to the end and Penn state looks good. And Minnesota looks good. They were just 11 and two in 2019. So yeah. And if, if Mel Tucker can get Michigan state back, like how they were before Dan Tony, and they go out and they beat Michigan. Like I think, I think this might be. I think Mel Tucker might have a good time at Michigan State. Honestly, he might be the one that gets Harbaugh out of there finally. But hey, I think Big Ten is getting closer. So that's that's what I have to say about my top four. Clemson so Ohio,
0: Ohio, touchdown. Ohio State at three. I think that you know they won by two touchdowns. I think that it was a much closer game than the two touchdowns said. Mm-hmm. I thought C.J. Stroud looked like he he had some nerves in the first half, yeah, but Mike. he was able to bounce back in the second half. That Ohio State offense looked like a different offense in that second half. I think it would be an overreaction to say that they don't have it this year. But they are vulnerable to losing games this year, too. I don't think that they are a a shoe-in just yet. We saw yeah. Penn State play defensively out of its mind yesterday there are three games on Ohio state schedule that they are vulnerable to losing. Now, luckily for them, they have all three at home. And that is next Saturday against Oregon. And then in October, November, they have Penn November. state at home. And then in November, they have Michigan state at home. So there are three games on the schedule that I think they are, that could be games in which they are in danger of losing. And and, and, you know, it wasn't a great first game for them, but they took care of business. They earned the number three spot after their win. Oklahoma, they were number two. Preseason rankings are, are sometimes not the greatest. Granted, here we are doing a ranking show on week one, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Spencer Rattler. That's the only
1: reason. Number
0: Number four, Oklahoma. And they could also lose some games. Texas looked good. They could lose in that Cotton or uh, Red River rivalry. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know of anybody else that I think they are in danger of losing to as of right now. But I still think they're the best in the Big 12. And let me say this as well. (laughs) There's nobody in the top 10 that I really saw that would jump them right now. I thought everybody looked a little, a little bit flat. I thought that everybody had sort of a rough game in week one. And so there's really nobody else that I think could jump Oklahoma as of right now to be in that top four, because like I said, they just
1: – nobody really – it seems like nobody really had the best game in week one. And, and I think the thing that's interesting about this is that about Oklahoma now being four, or – yeah, the about Oklahoma now being four, is that if you look at the AP – this is the preseason poll. If you look at the AP poll, it goes Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson. You look at the coaches poll, the coaches knew. It goes Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma. The coaches felt that Clemson was better. Of course, we saw them lose last night, so now Clemson has to be number 5. But the coaches saw something in Oklahoma where they weren't like they they didn't feel like they were the number 2 team and that was proven this Saturday. Well, next week's
0: game should be more fun as well. Of course, we have Oklahoma or uh, I should say um oh, who am I blanking? Ohio State and Oregon should be a good game next That's week. Be very good. Multiple Other fascinating games as well. But Justin, do you have anything else for today's show?
1: Nothing else. Nothing else. Great show. Great first week in the college football. I love having fans back. It like it just makes it more exciting. Like, I don't know. know. It just feels more hype now. Seeing the red and the orange divided last night, seeing the orange
0: and honest, well, Alabama took over the Mercedes-Benz yesterday i I was shocked by that honestly because i I went i was in atlanta yesterday we went to the varsity and there were far more miami fans that i saw around that area than i saw for mm -hmm. alabama and my initial thinking is well these alabama fans already know they're going to be back here in december so they're probably just saving all their money probably trying to uh, mm -hmm. go on some big trips i think they go to college station this year so yeah um
1: it doesn't surprise I, me because I, I like not to be cocky or anything, but the Georgia Dome and the Mercedes Benz are almost Alabama's second home team. I think I I mean I mean second home stadium. Like I, I don't know the crazy I, I can't remember what the stat was, but I saw it somewhere. Like there's some crazy stat like since 2010, I think Alabama has played there like almost 30 times. Like, like not only in just like those the the first week. First week of the year matchups, the SEC championships, those random other games where they just want to have a neutral site and stuff like that. Like they've played there a a crazy amount of times. (laughs) So, yeah, should be a fun season. Week one was already
0: awesome. That is going to be the show for us, though. Today we'll be back later this week for our um, NFL preview. Very exciting time as the Mm -hmm. NFL starts thursday night between the bucks and the cowboys so we'll be back for our nfl picks and our college football picks for week two later this week but this time for justin i'm chase this has been let's get it